and K News podcast listeners, I am your host, Jacko Zwetslut. Today is Tuesday, December 15th, and joining me in our Seoul studio for a discussion about Korean or inter-Korean reconciliation are Drs. Wang Son-Tek and Andre Lankov. This podcast is hosted by NK News, your specialist source for all trusted information on North Korea. Get behind the headlines at nknews.org. For even deeper analysis and cutting-edge data on the DPRK, check out NK Pro, the comprehensive platform for professionals monitoring the Korean Peninsula. Contact us at membership at nknews.org for a free trial of NK Pro. Okay, my first guest, Dr. Wang Son-Tek, was a diplomatic correspondent for South Korea's YTN News Network and one of the country's leading journalists on North Korea and diplomatic affairs. He is now a research associate at Yosije, which is a private think tank in Seoul. He has a PhD in North Korean studies from the Graduate School of North Korean Studies in Seoul. Every month or so, he writes a piece for NK News. This is the first time on the NK News podcast. So, welcome on the show, Dr. Wang. Thank you. Also joining me is Professor Andre Lankov, who is a director at NK News and writes exclusively for the site as one of the world's leading authorities on North Korea. Dr. Lankov has his PhD from Leningrad State University and spent a semester at Kim Il-sung University in Pyongyang back in 1985. Dr. Lankov has been on the NK News podcast quite a few times, so welcome back. Yeah, thank you, and thank you for inviting. It's uh, nice to have both of you doctors here today. Uh, you know, two doctors are better than one, they say. So, the idea for this conversation started because 11 days ago, Andre, you wrote an opinion piece for NK News titled, North and South Korea will never, ever reconcile. We should adjust expectations. And the subtitle was, the actual goal is to establish within the Korean Peninsula a sensible and mild variety of the Cold War regime. Now, it's a provocative title, Dr. Lankov. Did you write it? Yes, I did. title was frankly suggested by somebody else, but, uh, well, responsibility is mine, and I did not mind against this title. Is and, it hyperbolic a little bit? Uh, slightly, as any good title should be, but basically it encapsulates what I wanted to say. Uh, there are some caveats, but basically, yes, I think that there are excessive expectations of reconciliation, uh, that structure of relations between North and South Korea makes such a reconciliation not just difficult, but plain impossible, and that the best what we can get is a peaceful coexistence with occasional outbreaks of hostility, occasional exchange of fire, maybe a carpet of two being torpedoed, and so on, and we should try to manage such type of conflict, reducing the chances of it getting into something really nasty. You, you went on to write in the same piece, from time to time in the future, we are going to see similar tidal waves of unfounded expectations, unrealistic estimates, and lofty rhetoric. Do you believe that these expectations, estimates, and rhetoric are generally given sincerely and in good faith? Uh, these few exceptions, yes. Talking about 2018, I think that the Blue House people, that is the South Korean administration people, were not quite sincere. But they were sincere in the sense that they were doing their job, which sometimes means lying for the nation. So this is when, 2000 when? 18. 18, okay. Uh, you know, when we had, the, yes, that, that wonderful yes. spring, the, yes, the Pyongyang, wonderful Pyongyang okay. spring. These people, uh, most of people who believed in this wonderful stuff, like, say, the brilliant author of Ask the Korean blog, which yeah. is, uh, I would strongly recommend, it has some political biases. I don't necessarily agree with, but it's a very interesting place. Uh, talking about the South Korean officials, they needed to create an environment of expectations in order to reduce a risk of a war which did appear surprisingly high back then. Uh, so probably people close to the president and president himself had less illusions than they claimed they did have. Uh, but the average person were completely, uh, you know, taking this, this, this kind of tidal wave of expectations. You know, I was not surprised. I've been doing North Korea for nearly 40 years, 35 years by now, give or take, a bit more. And I can recall such waves back in the early 1990s, relatively modest. 
are very serious in the early 2000s, the days of the sunshine policy, and now, and I hope to do enough exercise, avoid overeating, to see a couple of same unfounded waves of optimism, maybe even three or four in future. In the future, wow. Okay, so, Dr. Wang, you you were inspired to write a counter-opinion piece for NK News titled Reunification is No Pipe Dream, Korea Has Already Started to Reconcile. Now, just before we get into the meaning of what do we mean by the word reconcile, I want to ask you, in, in spring 2018, so it's almost three years ago, uh, after the Pyeongchang Winter Olympics and before the first summit, around that time, did you think this time things will be different? Yes, I thought at the time uh, that was different. And even at this moment, I thought, I think that was different. But have you been surprised or disappointed by the way that things have turned out? Yes, we are. Actually, we did not. South Korea, North Korea did not make 100% points from that uh, try effort. But I believe we got a little bit of more than 70 uh, points. That's out, out of 100? Out of 100, okay. yes. So that is not a bad thing because before that uh, a period... We got uh, under uh, 50 points of something. So it was kind of advancement. It's kind of uh, two steps uh, forward. So I thought it was a good thing. And we can uh, give a little bit of points for the movements. Uh, well, I would probably disagree. And I believe Dr. Wan is going to say the same sentence today a lot of times. I think that, yes, it was success but not in the sense uh, most people expected. It was a brilliant diplomatic operation, I would say a special operation, a diplomatic trick, which contributed into avoiding a serious confrontation inside North Korea. If you like, it was a pink color smoke screen, uh, creating an uh, impression of reconciliation, which was not going to happen, just to calm patients above all in Washington, D.C., because both sides cared more about Donald Trump and his possible actions. And in this regard, well, assuming, of course, that Donald Trump was going to start shooting, which is a big if, but assuming it, it was a big success. Uh, Talking about percentage, I would say, well, from this point, I would still wouldn't say 70, because I think... Uh, back in the days of the sunshine policy in the early 2000s, the illusion, I repeat, illusion of coming reconciliation was significantly stronger and the level of exchanges was indeed much stronger. Okay, so this we've had this word a couple of times, reconciliation. Uh, Dr. Wang, when you say that, that reconciliation is already happening, what do you mean by reconciliation? In what way are North and South Korea reconciling? Well, reconciliation uh, can include a lot of things. It is kind of wide range of words. So mm-hmm. if you have a big war, and just stopping the war can reconciliation in that context. And North Korea, South Korea uh, was divided a long time, seven decades. Uh, and we have a kind of very bad situations repeatedly so many times. So uh, we had... a. Uh, summit meeting between North Korean leader and South Korean leader. And then uh, we got a summit between North Korean leader and the president of the United States. And that kind, that period was happened. And in that sense, the, some elements of reconciliation happened. So uh, we have to uh, admit there was some element of reconciliation. I'm not arguing that that element is kind of a 100 points. It might be a little bit about 60%, 60 points. But still, that is kind of a point we have to give. And that's the kind of a, some stone, jumping stone, to go to another step. Mm. So I believe that was still, we had a still positive uh, meaning from that uh, situation. I would like to call it part of elements of reconciliation. So it seems to me, Dr. Wang, that you are uh, focusing 
mainly on the process, uh, the, the different steps. Uh, and, and Dr. Lankov, you're focusing on the end result. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I believe... Uh, I, I read uh, Dr. L uh, Professor Lankov's uh, article, and uh, you talked about the free movement of investments. And ah, so if the, in, a, in a real situation of reconciliation, there would be... Yeah, that's one, of, one mm. part of the reconciliation. As I told you, there are many elements uh, in a reconciliation. Elementary part, uh, low-level part, we, we could have... Uh, uh, some elements of reconciliation. Actually, uh, ten years ago and twenty years ago, we had a we had an exchange of letters between uh, separated families. Uh, we got family reunion events many times on the Kim Dae Jung government and Nomyeon government. That kind of events were can be described as a reconciliation uh, elements. So we experienced it, even though we stopped it. Uh, but we uh, we are entering that area of uh, wide meaning of reconciliation. Dr. Lankov, how would you react to that? I would not even say disagreement with Dr. Wan, which is quite common, especially in humanities and social science, but not only, is a disagreement about definition. Mm. If Dr. Wan says that relations between two careers can be improved and that the current process is a process of improvement, and that these relations can be much better than what they are now, I do agree. So no argument. Mm -hmm. uh, but I believe that the use of what reconciliation is misleading because the average, uh, the average person, when he hears reconciliation, he thinks about some kind of friendly relations, somewhat similar to probably not European Union, free movement of people and goods and money, probably not. Uh, but something like, you know, uh, reminding you relations between, say, uh, United States and Mexico. Or maybe, uh, what, which examples can I, f can I suggest? Say, Iran and Turkmenistan, which is not widely known, anything, anyway. Uh, so relations between countries which are engaged in trade, when as long as you meet some very basic requirement, you can go there getting a visa or maybe even without a visa when you have money uh, to pay for your tickets uh, or maybe bus tickets even, so you almost definitely have money. When you can, uh, when any kind of military confrontation is unthinkable, can we expect that Mexican border guard will get into a firefight with U U.S. Army. Impossible. Uh, something like that. If you say reconciliation, you usually mean this kind of normal relations which exist between the vast majority of neighboring countries worldwide. What I said, it's not going to happen. Uh, many of these conditions are not going to happen. A measure of tension will persist. Free movement will never happen. Capital will never happen. I mean, I say never, there is important caveat, as long as North Korea exists under the rule of the Kim family. If we have a dramatic change of regime, everything will become possible. Not everything, but all the above will become possible. But as long as Kim Jong-un or his sister or his nephew or his second cousin of his most reliable general is in charge, there will be a measure of tension. And it's not because somebody is bad, but because it's what North Korea objectively needs. Uh, people can imagine uh, something in the future. That's the right of uh, humankind. And I have a, one of the humankind. I have my own uh, expectation, my own calculation in the future. From my part, even under the uh, Kim Jong-un leadership in North Korea, I believe they can take the free movement of uh, investment and uh, that's what he's actually that's what one of the points that he said and his lower level officials they traveled around uh, Chinese cities and Chinese areas and or, or foreign nations they uh, contacted some counterparts in South Korea from uh, Japan they usually talk about investment from uh, foreign investment if if the conditions are met so that kind of uh, conditions, that kind of arrangements for North Korean situation, I believe they can accept the foreign investment. And so 
I I still have a dream to make that that particular uh, picture realized. So you think that uh, simply if the conditions are correct, if the right circumstances are there, exactly, then we could have uh, capital inflows into North Korea, trade and investment, no tension on the border, those kind of things. And and what would be the conditions that would make those things possible? Chairman Kim Jong-un would like, should feel he's safe if that kind of things happen. So if North Korea allow free, invest, free, uh, free movement investment and uh, no tensions, military tensions, and then he is still safe, you know, politically and economically and socially. Why he not uh, take it? Or so, when you say safe, do you mean uh, that Kim Jong Un wants to be safe from external dangers, uh, dangers outside uh, the country? Yes, internal. There, there must, there might be, must be internal dangers. Actually, that's he's responsible for. Nobody can help him mm-hmm. about that. So, when I say safe about. Uh, foreign uh, diplomatic relations, it is possible or potential uh, danger from uh, United States or South Korea or the other uh, factors. Dr. Lankov, do you think that there are internal dangers in, in North Korea that could um, be a threat to Kim Jong-un's or, or his family's leadership if there are these things that Dr. Wang is talking about, uh, inflows of capital, trade investment, movement of peoples, uh, no tension on the border? Massive threats. Such policy would be suicidal, and they believe that Mr. Kim and his advisors are not suicidal, and they are not stupid. They are not going to do it. Do you think that the internal threat is greater than the external threat? Uh, yes. I uh, cannot rule out Americans or whoever else invading North Korea. Frankly, I don't see how South Korea now would attack North Korea unless there is some revolution and street fighting in Pyongyang. I cannot completely rule out an American operation or Chinese operation. Uh, it's basically two countries, especially above all United States, which can theoretically attack, but the probability is not high. The major threat, by far more important than external threat, is an internal threat a threat of revolution, civil disturbances, or coup, or some internal conspiracy. Worst, from the point of view of the Kim regime, they can act in coordination, or maybe even without prior coordination, just get existence like what we have seen in Libya, where a local revolution immediately got assistance from the NATO country and ended with a very gruesome death of Gaddafi and some members of his family. Having said that, why movement of movement of capital? I would agree with Dr. Wan. They will accept capital, but strictly on their conditions, which normally means give us your money and don't ask questions, and we will use as we please. And then maybe if they are in the right mood, we'll give you as much pro, a certain part of the profits. Of course, all losses are yours. Bye. It's how usual North Korean conditions have been, have looked like for last half a century. Just for record, I don't mind. In spite of all this irony, I think South Korea should give this money, just understanding it's not investment, it's assistance or paying ransom for quiet borders. Having said that, uh, movement of people is unacceptable because North Korea is a part of the divided nation. And the per capita income in South Korea is, according to North Korea, I repeat, North Korea's own estimate, is 25 times, 25 times higher than per capita income inside North Korea. The common people, in order to control, should remain completely unaware about the scale of such a difference. It's not a question in other countries. Chinese know that Japanese are living well. So what? Japan is a foreign country. Uh, the sight of a tall, well-fed uh, Japanese tourist with massive cameras and all these gadgets is not going to be destabilizing for the average Chinese farmer because Japanese is a foreigner, American is a foreigner. For the average North Korean, a dirty rich, tall, with good skin, well-dressed average South Korean will be a reminder that North Korea has been under remarkably inefficient or unsuccessful rule for the last 70 years. 
And if they see it, they can start asking the legitimacy of asking very unpleasant questions about legitimacy of the North Korean regime. Isolation is a condition of survival and friction, a measure of friction. You have in order to keep people mobilized, and they need to keep people mobilized, you need an enemy. Of course, you can't tell stories about the evil Americans, some of which stories are absolutely true, some of them complete fake. You need occasional some friction with your southern neighbor. Mm. Just to keep people in right tones, in to maintain memory that enemy is just beyond the corner. If you are relaxed, a disaster will happen. So to summarize, uh, isolation and friction, in your judgment, Measured are, are friction. The, the, the two things which are necessary uh, and sufficient for North Korea to remain as it is under the Kim leadership. Uh, maybe not sufficient. Is it sufficient? I know not. But it's definitely necessary. necessary. Okay. All right. Uh, Dr. Wang, uh, the isolation of the North Korean people, friction with the South Korean neighbor or any kind of external enemy, uh, do you believe that these things are necessary for stability of the North Korean system? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. But they need a couple of more things to uh, lead and operate the country, uh, like money or happiness of the people, satisfaction of people. Mm -hmm. That's the points uh, Chairman Kim Jong-un currently want to uh, provide for, for the people. The Chairman Kim needs, wants money yeah. for the development. And he's talking about that uh, many times. So uh, he's uh, currently uh, calculating some good way receiving money mm -hmm. without any big danger. That's calculating. The calculation is not uh, finished yet. So I believe currently we are, I mean, North Korea, South Korea, or North Korea, United States, is kind of brokering or negotiating with this term or condition, uh, whether North Korea accept money without any uh, uh, terror or uh, some uh, worry. Now, I wonder if there's uh, maybe um, a, a third uh, element there that you, Dr. Lankov, you mentioned, uh, isolation and, uh, and friction. Uh, what Dr. Wang said just now, you, you reminded me uh, in South Korea in 1987. Now, I wasn't here then, but I think uh, you were here in 1987, the, the, of course, the yes. summer of democratization. Yeah, of course, yes. And, and uh, you remember that, uh, well, some uh, interpretations of the history that I read said that as the South Korean people became more, uh, a little wealthier, a little more comfortable, uh, they began to have more political demands for democratization. Could there be a similar thing in, in North Korea that as people become more comfortable, have better living standards, uh, do not suffer from poverty, that they will begin to demand more from the government in Pyongyang? That's very complicated analogy because in 1987, uh, we had a, a democracy movement and the economic situation got quite better mm -hmm. before and after that. But 10 years before that incident, 20 years before that incident, the Korean people, South Korean people wanted democracy a lot. The efforts never stopped, even though the movements were crushed, crushed by the government. But in the year of 1987, it was successful. That's the difference. So uh, in North Korean case, a little bit different. Uh, North Korean side, I, my understanding is that uh, North Korean leadership try to educate people. Uh, they are still at war against the, the imperial giant of the United States. So a uh, southern part of the Korean Peninsula is under control by the United States. So uh, North Korean side is still North Korean people uh, understood the situation in the Korean Peninsula. They are still fighting. It is at war. So wartime situation is a little bit different from the uh, normal time as we did in the 1987 or 1970s, 1960s. So uh, I don't believe that experience in South Korea in 1987 uh, would, would apply to the North Korean, currently North Korean uh, situation. Dr. Lankov, do you have any thoughts on that? I believe that pro uh, probably I would agree with Dr. Van. I would add a few things, however. First... Uh, there is a kind of basic rule, which is sort of widely discussed, and there are even some studies confirming it, that on balance, 
uh, chances for a stable democratic regime to emerge and survive long term greatly increases greatly increase once the per capita income in a particular country reaches a level of roughly 10,000 US dollars seven times eight times the current North Korean level long way so maybe if we have economic growth maybe in 30 or 40 years or 50 years your expectations will come true currently I don't see it's happening because North Korea is way too poor and it's a long way to catch long way to reach the level of South Korea of 1987 as uh, uh, Dr. Van has mentioned the general situation the government maintains it's exactly why I believe they cannot go have a full reconciliation they need an enemy and United States is not enough the evil monster of the American imperialism and their running dogs in Seoul are people who has to be vilified and if they are not attacking well why not to shoot a couple of shells and see and then report about another provocation of the American imperialists and South Korean puppets they have done it many times they will do it again and they are doing it not because they are bad but because they just don't want to be slaughtered and lynched by the revolutionary mob understandable feeling I fully share Uh, so basically they need a level of tension it doesn't mean that revolution or collapse is not going to happen it's possible but it's not going to be a nice well-designed revolution like 1987 South Korea or Eastern Europe is going to be a very bloody, very messy, very violent affair. Nothing nice. Mm. Uh, But more likely, most likely, I would say that if government, if North Korean government finds a way to restart economic growth, probably both people will be quite happy and terrified simultaneously. They will be way too afraid of government to do anything. Let's not forget, South Korea under Park Chung-hee and Chung bok was a very free society if you compare it with uh, North Korea now. It's a difference. And on top of that, you, on, in South Korea, you even had opposition. You know, you could have an opposition leader like Kim Tae-jun or Kim Yong-sam, both eventually became presidents. Of course, there was a great deal of pressure and harassment and police control, but it was possible for decades in South Korea. You understand that no opposition is possible in the South, in the North. And they simply don't have mechanism for peaceful transfer. So once again, yes, in the long run, maybe, but it's really long run, and I'm not going to live long enough to see it. Mm. Dr. Wang, do you believe that you'll live long enough to see a real solid, stable, uh, mutual sort of recognition and coexistence between North Korea and South Korea? For myself, I'm, as a Korean, that's my goal. Mm. That's my obligation to do. So if you ask that question, yeah. I always say, yes, I will do it. I, I cannot say, yes, it can be. I have to say, I will make it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I I meet uh, South Korean people who uh, believe very strongly that it is other countries, uh, the United States or China or Japan, who are keeping North Korea and South Korea separate. And if only those other countries would uh, go away and mind their own business, the two Koreas could talk to each other and negotiate, you know, uri min jokiri, just Koreans among themselves, and everything would be okay. Do you agree with that? Is that, is that a fair? I don't believe so. No, no country lives like that way. Uh, every but country you, has relationship between uh, with foreign countries, and and every country is kind of a uh, uh, is influenced mm-hmm. by the uh, world orders, world order. So w- when you meet Koreans who say, oh, it's all because of America, or it's all because of China, or it's all because of Japan, how do you uh, respond to them? If they want to believe that kind of uh, understanding, do it. Uh, that's their own uh, belief system. But I don't believe that. That's not true at all. Uh, in, uh, Korean, Korea was divided twice. First time, it was absolutely 100% purely separated by the outside decision. There was a 1945. 1945. And then four e- five years of kind of a tentative living uh, divided. Mm-hmm. And then we have another a big fight between South Korea and North Korea. It was divided by ourselves. So Korean division is uh, entangled, complicated with t- 
two different uh, characteristic mm. things. Some people talk about the division in 1945. Yeah. They, all, they talk about the outside decision and they would like to uh, scold the outside uh, influ influence. And now that's the United States. Mm. But some people uh, talk about the division in 1950. And it is about North Korean decision to invade South Korea. So from uh, the people of South Korea, many group of people, South Korea, uh, they talk about the responsibility of the division is on uh, North Korean side. So this kind of complicated situation uh, make the things difficult more. Now, uh, Dr. Lankov, you, in your article, uh, you propose that uh, Korea be established as a sensible and mild variety of the Cold War regime. Uh, what do you mean by that exactly? Uh, well, uh, of course, it's not going to have such a name because the name is ugly. And, you know, politicians like something sweet. Uh, so it will be peace and cooperation and peace maintenance, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but what I actually mean uh, is uh, the Cold War Europe, which starting from the 1960s, had a great deal of rules of the games, which were generally followed by both sides. Uh, because Dr. Van, when he was arguing with me, he basically said that we already have a reasonable Cold War regime. Well, again, it's a question of Definition. definitions. Yeah. Uh, but I would not agree. Why? Because when we look at Europe, we need, first of all, arms control treaties. Uh, something has to be done about North Korea nuclear program. And it's not going to be denuclearization, which has always been a pipe dream. North Korea will not surrender nuclear weapons because they need it. Having said that, arms control is possible. And during the Cold War between major participants, it did exist. Measures of control of, say, military exercises, maneuvers is an issue. You know, during the Cold War, in the Cold War Europe, both sides were sending their military representatives to be present on the other side maneuvers, staying in touch, so they could see that these are just military exercises and not a secret undercover preparation for a sudden strike, which is how many often, very often maneuvers are used. Like now we had a war between Armenia and Azerbaijan, and Azerbaijan, when they, well, invaded, not invaded, difficult question, they were fighting to get territory Armenia got from them, difficult, when they attacked, they used fake maneuvers as a way to cover, which is a usual trick. So you have military observers controlling maneuvers, you have arms restriction, you have a, a hotline and a lot of things which will dramatically reduce chances of serious confrontation. Even though occasionally, at least the North Korean side, uh, will stage some kind of mild, mild provocation for the domestic political reasons. But if we have all this place inside, it's not going to be big. Even though some people are going to be killed, let's be frank, uh, but not many. And this is, what I say, manageable Cold War. Have some mechanism, which for me includes control over maneuvers, some control over the conventional weapons, and restrictions on the further advancement of the nuclear weapons. Yeah, okay, I'm glad you brought that up because we haven't actually discussed denuclearization of North Korea yet. So, uh, Dr. Wang, I'd like to turn to you. Um, where do you see uh, North Korea's nuclear weapons fitting into uh, the issue of reconciliation and, and peace, uh, peaceful coexistence? The issue of denuclearization of North Korea is, is kind of a big stone in the middle of the road mm. for our long dream of reconciliation, long dream of re reunification. So we need to uh, resolve, the resolve the issue of denuclearization. Uh, we are trying to do it. And uh, there was many times negotiations happen. Sometimes we were close to uh, make a good, uh, quite huge results. But many times we stepped back and the situation got wrong. But still, that's the long process, the part of the parts of the long process. And I believe in the year of 2018 and the early 2019, we got uh, some progresses uh, for our long dream of reconciliation with denuclearization efforts. Now, earlier, a few minutes ago, Dr. Lankov said very clearly that he does not believe North Korea will ever denuclearize. Do you believe that the denuclearization of North Korea is possible 
Of course, I believe denuclearization North Korea is possible. That's the reason why I uh, believe we can make it. I, I respect Dr. Lankov's belief, mm-hmm. your uh, uh, understanding. But uh, for my side, denuclearization de- is uh, it's just the thing I have to resolve. And uh, North Korean leader actually uh, publicly said he would like he will he would do it if some uh, conditions are met. So uh, I believe if we uh, provide, if we arrange good condition for him, he will do it. That's so, what I believe. So if the, if the conditions for Kim Jong-un are right, he will denuclearize. He said that, mm-hmm. and I believe that's kind of rational approach. And uh, <laughs> yes, I believe... <laughs> I, I respect what you think. As far as I know, in the Hanoi summit between uh, Kim Jong-un and Chairman Kim Jong-un and uh, President Donald Trump, mm. they almost, almost reached to agree on the denuclear, part of the denuclearization agreement. So uh, that was not uh, realistic. I believe it is part of realistic uh, goal. Uh, talking about what was achieved in Hanoi, it had nothing to do with denuclearization and nuclear disarmament. It was a step to what I have mentioned, nuclear con- arms control. That is, North Korea will keep some nuclear weapons, so it will not be denuclearized, uh, but it will not advance even more. It could be negotiated, it, it, it should be negotiated sooner or later, but North Korea surrendering their nuclear weapons, no way. Because uh, what Kim Jong-un said is irrelevant. I would remind you two things. First, his grandfather back in the early 1990s, when the economy was crumbling, but the remaining resources were sent to nuclear scientists to make finally the first nuclear warheads, nuclear devices at that stage. His grandfather said that North Korea had no intention to develop nuclear weapons. Probably once he said made this public statement, he probably went to his office and ordered to send more money to nuclear scientists to get nuclear weapons. Why do you think that Kim Jong-un's words, statements, are more reliable than statements of his grandfather? Having said that, I ask another question. According to the 1968 Non-Proliferation Treaty, all nuclear powers are under obligation to eventually, keyword is eventually, to surrender their nuclear weapons. Do you see any signs that United States of America, Russian Federation, or Chinese People's Republic, or some other minor quote-unquote nuclear states have the slightest intention to do it? Eventually, which means 500 years later. So when he said it, well, he can easily say, well, once United States will withdraw all forces from East Asia, and then he will say if Americans do it by some miracle or something opposite. They say, and what about China? Once China will surrender nuclear weapons, once America surrender, we will also do it. After all, we are a small country, big boys will get rid of this nuclear stick, we will do it again. How many centuries will it take? I know not, but definitely not one century, much longer. Okay, these are some difficult questions you ask. Um, Dr. Wang, to the first question that Dr. Lankov asked, um, Kim Il-sung in the 1990s famously said, we do not want to have nuclear weapons, but clearly he was developing nuclear weapons. Uh, why should we believe Kim Jong-un when he says that he's prepared to denuclearize? We don't need to believe what he said. He, he, if we want to say something, he, he, would, he, he can do it. But what we got is he, what he said. That is very important. So it is not about believe or not. What we got is the fact. This is a fact that he said he would denuclearize. Statement. Yeah, so. that is very important part of denuclearization negotiation. Before that time, nobody would, uh, no uh, North Korean leader uh, publicly talk, s- announce he would uh, denuclearization. So it is one step further, one step of progress for our long dream of denuclearization, reconciliation. We need long time, a lot of many uh, points to finally reach to the final goal. So. I don't. I, I'm not saying that's what there was a kind of 100% point, but it's like a, a 20% point or 30, 30 points something for our long uh, process. Mm. 
Now, the, se the second question that Dr. Lundgren asked, which is a bit more complicated, is that uh, the 1968 Non-Proliferation Treaty said that all nuclear powers will give up their nuclear weapons. Now, uh, we don't we don't see any movement towards denuclearization by China, America, Russia, Great Britain, um, Pakistan, India. Uh, so if everybody understands that, yes, yes, one day everybody will denuclearize, but that's you know long after everybody is dead, then uh, to what extent is actual denuclearization really a practical and, and feasible goal? Well, on those Korean uh, calculation can be different North Korea calculation about uh, uh, the policy of nuclear right nuclear weapons can be changed uh, if the situation or environment or internal situation external situation can uh, would change so uh, again I would like to uh, stress the the important point is the condition mm. for uh, North Korean leader uh, chairman Kim Jong-un if he would think the condition, the reciprocal measures, would good enough to uh, denuclearization, he will do it. So what we have to do and what we want to do is a good condition for him. And then he can calculate which side is better. At this moment, until now, my belief is that we did not never give the satisfactory plan for him to make this decisive de decision mm. to give up the nuclear uh, weapons. But w one of the conditions that he talks about and his father, Kim Jong-il, talked about and his grandfather, Kim Il-sung, they all talked about the uh, U.S. troops must leave South Korea. Do you think that's a, a condition that must be fulfilled before North Korea can denuclearize? The, you know, the U.S. soldiers uh, withdrawing of U.S. soldiers from Korean Peninsula, that that policy was a little bit changed from North Korean side. Actually, in the year of 2000, there was a meeting between uh, North Korean Kim Jong-il at the time, uh, Kim Jong, the father of Kim Jong-un, mm -hmm. and then uh, former President Kim Dae-jung. Uh, according to the, the, the explanation by Kim Dae-jung, uh, uh, Kim Jong-il said... Kim Jong-il said he would not reserve the request to the pull out of the U.S. troops in uh, Korean Peninsula. After that, actually, the tone of the North Korean government talking about U.S. troops is a little bit changed. And from my side, kind of a long watching, watch, I, I've been watching this issue uh, relatively long time, the color of the, their logic, color of their voice, change it. It means they would negotiate that part for the other things. Do, do you agree with that, Dr. Lankov? Yes, I do agree with Dr. Van. They are less noisy about uh, U.S. presence hmm. because they need probably American troops as a counterweight to China. In the ideal world, they would keep their nuclear weapons close to their heart, no denuclearization, trying to play Russia against China, America against South Korea, South Korea against Japan, everybody, but major place are three countries right now, China, United States, and South Korea. They will maneuver between them, milking all them, and as pretty much as they used to treat Russia and China, surviving and thriving in the environment of confrontation. Uh, so they basically want American troops to be here to make sure that China would not become too powerful. It's quite understandable, but it has nothing to do with denuclearization. So basically, we've we've seen this movie before. That yes, this is uh, from nineteen fifties, from the late nineteen fifties. That this is about uh, North Korea using yes. using the uh, the players around it and playing yes, them off yeah. each other. And they are brilliant. They I, I just talked to a former diplomat. Uh, she recently retired from 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 basically Russian diplomatic service, and she said, "Oh, she they're so brilliant. They always outsmart everybody." I do agree. They do. Having said that, um, uh, problem is that conditions. I don't see any conditions which would be acceptable because North Koreans don't believe in promises. You're, you're talking about conditions acceptable to lead to denuclearization. Yes. Nuclear weapons is a hard guarantee of security. They know nobody will dare to attack them. And they know that even if they have a domestic rebellion, they can machine gun the rebels or Capit bomb the rebellious villages, and the wall will just keep crying and jumping and, uh, you know, passing meaningless 
paper resolutions in the United Nations. In other words, Nations. they're not Libya. Absolutely. They saw what happened to Libya. Libya was a major lesson. And John Bolton, by the way, was in charge of Libya. And the Libyans believed the Western promises, they surrendered nuclear weapons, and then they had a revolution, and they could not use air force and heavy weapons because NATO and Americans intervened and prevented the government forces from suppressing the rebellion. And as a result, the leaders of the regime were slaughtered. Very good lesson. John Bolton, long time ago, wrote in my major news outlet, I don't remember exactly where, that North Korea should learn from Libya its lesson. Hmm. Thank you very much, Ambassador Bolton. They did just what you suggested. But not the lesson that he wanted them to learn, obviously. Yeah, it's a good, Libya is a good point there. Dr. Wang, how do you feel that uh, North Korea... uh, in a desire not to become a second Libya or not to become a second Iraq. Or second Ukraine. Or a second Ukraine. North Korea says we must keep our nuclear weapons, at least one, maybe five, maybe ten, in order that this does not happen to us. Yeah, that is kind of a natural uh, line of thought about that incident. But I have a little bit different perspective, different uh, uh, idea. Uh, Nowadays, nuclear weapons of North Korea is a reason for their own poverty. That's the reason for them not to, I mean, uh, they cannot uh, get some money from outside world. They cannot uh, get investment from outside. If they denuclearize, do take, I mean, uh, they decide to denuclearization, there can be some possibility to have some money from outside, big money from outside. So as uh, Professor Lankov said, currently North Korean nuclear uh, weapons are the kind of guarantee for the security, national security of North Korea. But for Libya lesson, there's some one or two other uh, uh, scenarios. North Korean leadership think like, think like that this way. I mean, Libya give, gave up nuclear weapons or Iraq gave up nuclear weapons. If they prepare well, kind of good security uh, measures, and then they give up the nuclear weapons, then they could be safe. So what uh, Iraq, Iraqi leadership and then Libyan leadership was wrong about that particular situation is that their preparedness is very, very bad. So uh, I, I'd like to say, still, denuclearization is possible for North Korean leadership, even though they think that's a kind of cold lesson. If they prepare well, real strong, uh, powerful promise with the United States mm. or some real good uh, political system or diplomatic system with South Korea, that kind of thing, They, if they uh, secure those prepare, prepare preparatory measures, they can still have a chance to denuclearization and get money. This okay, is, so this is security, external security guarantees and uh, inter-Korean uh, cooperation and exchange. You're saying that this, for North Korea, these two things could be an alternative to uh, yeah, having nuclear course. weapons. Mm-hmm. But possible, because North Korean leader can be safe with nuclear weapons. That's right. Uh, so everybody think... That's a kind of rational calculation. But he also wants to see the people of North Korea uh, live better lives. Live better yes. life. That's it. So that is quite big desire, strong desire for, uh, for Kim Jong-un. Yeah. So Kim Jong-un has no choice but to calculate. So, okay, I will accept the denuclearization. But Libyan leader was killed. Iraqi leader was killed. Mm. I don't want that kind. I don't want to repeat that kind of bad, sure. bad scenario. Yeah. But what they missed was preparedness. So I can, I can do it. He can, he could do it. So he's now uh, trying to make it well prepared uh, security measures with United States and with China and with South Korea. And then after that, he is convinced. He's 100% purely convinced he's safe. Then he, he can take denuclearization. So that's why I'm repeatedly saying mm. condition Conditions. is the matter. Now, Dr. Lankov, you, uh, unlike some people, you're not advocating uh, stopping talking with North Korea. You're not, you're not saying I we did, should just yeah. ignore North Korea 
uh, and let it do its own thing. You're saying that's actually uh, more dangerous in your yes. article. That's even more dangerous than the engagement policy. So yes. I'm just wondering, what actually do you advocate? And as, as sort of a second part of that question, how much engagement is okay and how much is dangerous? Uh, the more engagement, the better. I advocate sunshine policy. I advocate negotiations with North Korea. And these negotiations, uh, because of illusions and fictions many people have chosen to believe, these negotiations will have to be packaged as negotiations about denuclearization. But let's not fool ourselves. No conditions Dr. Wang was talking about will be satisfactory for, for Mr. Kim. Because first of all, I would say, yes, contrary to what many people say about uh, uh, Kim, uh, Kim Jong-un, Chairman Kim, he wants his people to live better. I do agree, sincerely. But first of all, he wants to stay alive. Mm. He so loves a- farmers in a distant province, but he loves his wife more. So it's a question of priorities. Yes. And you know, dead people cannot be rich. And what basically outside world is suggesting, do something risky, believe us, us who actually despise you, and instead we will make you richer. His position is, should I sell, swap my security for somewhat better life for my people? Big question. I believe he is not going to do it. So that's the reason why he could not decide the denuclearization. That's the reason why we are still suffering from this situation. That's the reason why we have to dream in the future to make it not going to happen as long as he's in church. But you ask about what I was I would said. Yes, uh, the idea we have to talk with full understanding deep in our heart and people like me or Dr. Wang who are not on government payroll, we can even honestly say we are not talking denuclearization, we are talking arms control. We are not talking reconciliation and friendship and unification. We are just talking manageable, peaceful coexistence. But to sell it to the audience, to sell it to the US Congress, to sell it to New York Times, we have to say not we. I, I'm not paid to lie. But there are people whose job is to lie for their country. They are known as diplomats. They will say uh, that it's a first step in a long way towards denuclearization. So what I would say, exchanges, uh, more exposure of the North Koreans, so North Korean people, including officials, will learn more about the outside world and they want some change. I would like to negotiate some arms control agreement with full understanding that North Koreans will demand money. They are not going to stop their nuclear program for free. They will demand at least sanctions being lifted and maybe a nice payout. And you're saying we should pay them? Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and lift the sanctions? And lift the sanctions, yes. In this regard, I'm as dovish as dove, but most people... Some of them sincerely, some not so sincerely on this camp will tell you, and we'll have a paradise. North, South Koreans will go to hike to this North Korean mountains, and then South Koreans and North Koreans will embrace one another. Nothing like that. Hmm. Nothing like denuclearization. Somewhat less dangerous world. And one thing, they don't, the North Koreans are not going to trust foreigners, but we also should not trust them. No Promises on both sides, just hard facts. Hard money for destroyed equipment. You're a, a bit of a cynic, aren't you, Dr. Lanko? It's my job. If you're a good historian, you are a cynic. If a not, cy- go uh-huh. to write for some, you know, opinion columns on become <laughs> a, 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 an ideologue for some political party. Right or left, it's not important. I, I am a long admirer for <laughs> Dr. Lankov. Yes. So uh, I, I respect what you said. Uh, but still, uh, there is a some little different perspective about mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. what you said. Uh, arms control and uh, denuclearization, uh, they are not necessarily a conflicting uh, concept because denuclearization needs some time. Denuclearization cannot be achieved one year or two years. It needs uh, maybe more than longer than five years. You said 300, didn't you? I said uh, 300 years. years. (laughs) 500 years will do too. And Dr. Zygrift Heckler said uh, at least 15 years or something. And arms control means 
the final goal, final stage of the arms control is denuclearization. And that arms control takes kind of 20 years or 30 years. Why don't we call it denuclearization? We have to call it to sell it to the U.S. Congress, to the public. But mm -hmm. in the depths of their hand, let's understand, they are not talking 30 years. They are talking 300 years, maybe, if they are lucky. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> you can say that. So, but, so you're, you're uh, making a I very... What I, what I want to make is less than uh, you, 20 or something. You yeah. talk about marketing and packaging right. yeah. for the credulous public. Do it. Uh, well, pro personally, I will not do it because I'm not paid. But I understand that people are doing it not necessarily for money because they believe correctly that such dishonest packaging will help to sell the product, which is good for everybody. I, I if, I have a, if I have a chance to sell it, I would like to do it. Absolutely. And then I, I, I'd like to do my best to make a good conditions. Good. But, yeah, I understand. But be careful. Because when people will, decide, will discover that the description of the product is different from what they are really getting, they can feel bad. But, so, but basically, yes, yes. But you are talking about packaging. Yes, let's do arms control. Pretending is denuclearization. Let's do peaceful coexistence, pre pre pretending it's reconciliation. I do agree. There is no other way to sell this policy, unfortunately, because people sometimes tend to be naive. And they have a great deal of uh, kind of uh, ideas which have been imposed on them since kindergarten, essentially. But let's understand, let's be frank. 300 years, maybe 500 years. I think years. I'm a frank now. I <laughs> still believe I can make it. I will make it. I have a, a final question for Dr. Wang. Uh, at the end of your piece, you wrote, um, to uh, calling out to Dr. Lankov, help us imagine the best scenario, adopt the best strategy, and get us to the final stage of reconciliation with peace and prosperity, and help us do this through creative diplomacy. I'm really uh -huh. curious, what for you, what is the best scenario? Is it um, a uh, kind of a European Union-style uh, confederation between North and South Korea, or even a unification? If you say best, it's uh, one, single, one single nation. So political, economic, systemic unity. It's one single government, yes. That's my uh, best scenario. But uh, if, if we want to get to the best scenario, mm -hmm. one single nation, we have to go to, I believe, we have to go to many uh, phases like a confederation, federation or something, and then finally single nation. Yeah, None that's what the, I'm thinking. None of these stages is acceptable for North Korean government because they cannot get close because you are toxic. I'm not, not Dr. Wang, but you no, mean South Korea. 51 million South, North Korea, sorry, South Koreans, 51 million, every single one is toxic. And this is a problem. You cannot get, you are as dangerous as a carrier of COVID, but maybe 100 times more. <laughs> From the point of view of North Korea, every single, every single, every single person, man and woman, old and young, uh, so they cannot get close to it. They will talk about it too, with very sincere faces, but it will be just another a portion of, you know, uh, lip service which have to be paid. I, I, I know uh, Professor Lankov watched Korean situation a very, very long time, yes. and I admire his uh, lessons a lot, but still I have no choice but to repeat what I'm thinking, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. repeat what I want to, what I want to do, so what, I'm, what my dream is. I can make it, uh, we can, uh, we will do it, and whatever, whatever the problem is because that's the original place we have to go that's the people have to go to the go, come back home where else should i go it's so yes you my should home. go i just saying that you are saying about partially advertisement partially dreams i'm trying to say about what is really achievable mm -hmm. and what will be under this nice looking packaging in actually inside it's the difference because but what you suggest dr van is absolutely correct i worry that the local right is going to take power and they are going to stop all negotiations with north korea yeah yeah i i, I believe what you said we have to be realistic and what's the we have to understand what is the kind of real real end point of the possibilities but for hu human being and part of the Korean uh, people separated by the outside uh, decision, we have no choice but to try. But yes, to try. No, no, it's, it's the right decision. Mm. Problem is that we, our major disagreement how far you can go. I believe not as far as 
you will have to claim. But when, it's still right direction. You say 500 miles. I say, well, in two miles, you see a massive swamp you cannot get across. But still go that direction. It's good. I'm yeah. completely supportive. Thank you. Thank you. For so that. <laughs> that's a, an optimistic note to end on. You are, after all, you're an optimist, aren't you, Dr. Uh, for for uh, some uh, topics, I am optimistic. But usually I am kind of uh, some cynicism or something okay but on this topic at least you you remain yeah, an because yeah. because as a human being as yeah. a korean people i have no choice but to have dream of uh, reuniting uh, the separated country so that's yeah. no choice well thank you once again for your time dr wang sontek of yoshije uh, think tank and dr andre lankov of gungwon university and nk news ladies and gentlemen that wraps it up for today's episode if you liked what you heard on this podcast visit us at nknews.org your trusted source for updates on everything north korea related written and produced by field specialists become a member today at nknews.org if you're a think tank like yoshije business or academic institution take a look at nk pro our platform offers unparalleled services specifically catered to the needs of professionals who monitor developments of the Korean Peninsula, inquire about access at membership at nknews.org today. Do you have an NK Pro membership, Dr. Lankov? Yes, of course. Do you have one, or does your institute have one, Dr. Wang? Yes, I have. Oh, fantastic. Our thanks, as always, go to James Fretwell and Chad O'Carroll for facilitating this podcast, and to Arius Dare, our post-recording producer genius, who cuts out all the extraneous noises, awkward silences, bodily functions, etc. 